welcome back to Mastering Retail, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. You probably saw the title of this episode, and that's right, we are back with another retailer-specific season covering none other than Target. I'm your host, Emma Irwin, and I am a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel Digital. In this season, we have five episodes, the first being this one, where we will be going over the ecosystem of Target.com and how we have come to understand this retailer and offer full service management as an agency. The following episodes will cover content and organic search, media, measurement and modeling, and retail and media data points, and also some notes on how to maybe improve your tennis skills. Are you excited yet? You better be. For this episode, I am so looking forward to introducing our guests who have led the charge on MasteringTarget.com. So let's meet them. My name is Corey Hammond, and I am the Vice President of Retail Enablement at Flywheel Digital. So Retail Enablement is simply taking our services from Amazon and Walmart, what we call full service, and translating that to Target full service. So our job is to enable Target.com as a retail management service. I'm Zach Toste. I am a director on the Retail Enablement team. So I have been in charge of putting together the entire marketing campaign to kind of shout from the rooftops that we are offering Target as a full-service capability within Flywheel. And going forward, I'm going to be in charge of just more generally special projects and anything that comes across our team's desk that requires maybe a little bit of hand-holding outside of our day-to-day operations. Love it. All right, Corey knows this one, but... What is the last thing you purchased from Target? So I've found that I go to Target anytime I move. So the dish drying rack that's starting to get a little rusty on yeah. the sides, <laughs> that thing does not deserve to uh, continue on in its journey. Yeah. <laughs> so of course I go to Target.com because they probably have some of the best home goods that I can shop for online. So last thing I bought was a dish drying rack. I have to do the plastic ones because I can't even like take care of a metal one. Like it's rusty within a week. So, (laughs) all right, Zach, what about you? Last thing I bought at Target actually was groceries like last week. What is one item that was in your grocery order? Annie's mac and cheese. Love it. Okay, next up, I'm going to ask you a question now and we'll come back to it at the end. But it's our digital wish list question, which I think quite literally everyone has been asked on the podcast, but something that lives in a virtual card of yours that you won't actually just purchase. And then at the end, we'll come back to why. And we will all be reminded of Corey's last digital wish list kind of item and if it's still in there. But sound good? Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's (laughs) different this time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Love it. Now, I think we all know of Target and have heard of it even outside of the U.S. It's like a sibling of Amazon and Walmart. We just heard Corey mention full-service capabilities that have been built via his retail enablement team. But before we go any deeper into Target.com, I wanted Corey to tell me more about full-service management from Flywheel. And of course, that ties back to Metail, aka the premise of this podcast. One of the things we really wanted to do when talking about Target full-service is try to simplify a very complex solution. So there are over 43 service deliverables that we have within our Target full-service offering, but we will almost never talk about it. We want to make sure that it is being rolled up into something that's more approachable and easier to understand for any potential client we're speaking with. So the first two verticals that we focus on are retail and media. So at a later episode, we're going to dive into the media piece with Toby, but our team, we focus on that retail vertical. And within the retail vertical, 
we have three buckets of execution. So the first is content search, which focuses a lot on foundational needs for every single item that we're managing on target.com and how those optimizations affect organic search rank. The second piece we focus on is measurement and modeling. So one thing we hear again and again from our client base is they don't have enough visibility into how they're doing on target.com against their competition. So the beauty of Flywheel is that we can take the existing solutions, the existing models that exist on Amazon and Walmart and apply those methodologies to target.com. And so we're actively working with our data science teams and our product management teams to build those solutions for target.com at scale. So that includes scraping capabilities, building skew level forecasting models, and even uh, when we're even looking at scraping, we're able to scrape multiple regions at the same time. So developing share of voice and even weighted share of voice models, that's all within our wheelhouse, and we're translating that to a target.com customer. The last piece we do is go to market strategies. So that is all encompassing of beginning to end life cycle for an item. If you're thinking of item setup needs, uh, anything having to do with cold start launches, we are there every step of the way. So our goal is to provide full service at the item level and rolling that up to something more visible and more digestible for the executives at every single brand that we've partnered with on Target.com. Why now that we're launching this? Has it been tough to get into Target and like figure out the systems? What we always look at is where is the retailer from a tech perspective? In the last two or three years, we've seen a ton of development on the media investments that retailers are making. And effectively what has happened is the retail tech stack has followed suit. So Walmart is a great example. Right after the Jet.com acquisition, they started really investing in their tech stack when it comes to Walmart e-com. And then that translated really well to everything they're doing in Walmart Connect and also everything in tracking omni-channel uh, sales. What we've seen with Target is that all of their apps that exist in Partners Online, they have become more and more self-serve, which gives us as Flywheel more tools to move the needle in sales growth for our clients. So it really was great timing for us to invest in Target.com, but more importantly, being able to show the client the tools that they have access to and showing them that we are the experts in those tools made it that much easier of a conversation to have us manage their target.com account. So one thing I would add on to that is as consultants for our clients' e-commerce businesses, we're always trying to figure out what's next. While we are the leaders on Amazon and Walmart right now, I think it's our responsibility to always be asking ourselves, how can we provide additional value to our clients that are in our portfolio? And I think for us, Target was that next logical step over time, we're looking to start expanding our services across more and more retailers as time goes on, as we get more and more resources dedicated to expanding out into those retailers. That's something that we're going to be able to consistently offer our clients across Flywheel's entire portfolio. But has there been anything kind of unique along the way with Target that is different from Amazon or Walmart? And I know you guys have been very involved in the Walmart process of full service and everything. But anything unique with Target? I'd say Target's marketplace 
being that it is fairly limited invite only has made it really unique for one piece sellers. What we've seen on Amazon and Walmart is constant competition on the buy box, competition on getting into search page one search results. Whereas with Target, that isn't a problem right now. And so what it actually does is it allows us to focus on foundational pieces that we view their customer, the Target customer shopping on Target.com as a necessity in order to convert. So the whole buy box conversation is not even brought up because it's not even a problem on Target.com. And then additionally, even the PDPs, the product pages on Target.com are fairly unique in that they have something called badges. And these badges, a lot of them are triggered by the attributes associated with that item. And so what we are able to see is when there are more badges, there are more sales, and therefore there's better organic search rank. So the flywheel just starts spinning on Target.com much quicker than what we would see elsewhere. We love when the flywheel starts spinning. And as Corey mentioned in the beginning, there are three pillars that we approach Target.com with that of course contribute to the spinning flywheel. Retail, media, and data visualization slash dashboards. We also heard Corey mention that we have 43 service deliverables. So, you know, just a few. And I wanted him to tell me about a few of them which make up a good chunk of our retail pillar. Obviously not all 43 because nobody has time for that. Although if you're curious, you can just ask us. But some of our key critical service deliverables. So one of the things that I'm really excited about that is part of our service deliverables that has been fairly easy to migrate over to target.com full service is our 3PL capabilities. So Flywheel 3PL is something that is already widely used on Amazon and Walmart. And we've been able to start talking to our clients about our capabilities to drop ship on behalf of the vendor. And the goal that we have at the end of the day is increasing the assortment size on target.com to increase share of voice on page one search results for top search keywords. So if we can do that by expanding the assortment when maybe the buyer is not able to add assortment to target.com shelves as owned inventory, what we can then do is go back to the buyer and say, hey, we actually have a dropship capability that we can bring to the table. And we've seen this time and time again on the walmart.com side, and we've seen a lot of success that I know we can bring to target.com. Yeah, I think what I'm most excited about from what our team has been able to do already with some of our pilot clients is going in there and making very quick but meaningful differences in where our clients' items are showing up on target.com. And like Corey mentioned before, a lot of that has to do with uh, what we're able to see in the back end through Partners Online, which is Target's data portal, if you will, for vendors. And a lot of the changes that we've made have shown some really, really incredible um, shifts in position on top search terms for um, our clients' assortments. And some of our team members are going to be diving a little bit deeper in a follow-up episode to this about how we've been able to manipulate some of our clients' items using some strategies on attribution and badges like we talked about before. And it's just really exciting to see that not only was where our hunch is correct in assuming that certain things move the needle little by little, but also being able to see that like those hunches actually manifest themselves into actionable changes that have resulted in higher sales for our clients. So that's just an absolute win in our book and we're really excited about that. We love winning. 
Yes. <laughs> this doesn't have to be a question to Corey, but Corey, you mentioned the buyer on the target side. How like intertwined do the brands and one piece selling on target have to be with the buyer? Is it more similar to Walmart with the merchant slash buyer and Amazon, the vendor manager? Like what does that relationship kind of look like? So the buyer is responsible for both in-store and online. And so a lot of their focus is on this annual JBP that they have with vendors. So joint business partnership. And what that results in is a decision on the assortment, but more importantly, what is the media investment going to look like? And as the years have gone on, Roundel, which is the media arm for Target, has become more and more involved in those JBPs. And for good reason, because if the media dollars can be in sync with the inventory available, with any cold start items that are going to start sitting on the shelves across Target stores, if we can invest media properly, then you're going to see huge success across both in-store and online. So those decisions are all made during the JVP, and the vendors work tirelessly to prepare for those. And so where we can come in and be influential for the buyer is by providing that visibility that I was talking about before. Not everyone has access to share voice data. Very few people have access to their own SKU level forecasting that's supported by all the work we've done on Amazon, which they have, the data science team has time and time again provided better forecasts on Amazon than Amazon themselves. So if we can have that depth of expertise on target.com, we're only going to help both the buyer and the vendor. Now, if I were to follow the order of the pillars given to me, media would be the next one. But we have an entire episode in this season dedicated to media and then another one that covers how retail and media interact. So you'll just have to listen to absolutely everything. Let's move on to the third pillar of our approach to Target.com, which is data visualizations and dashboards. I asked Corey to tell me more about how we're taking the data that we can get from Target and visualizing it so that it's usable information that can help clients see their brand's performance. Yeah, so the great thing is we're coming in with a pretty solid background on how we built White Spider, which is the tool, or SKU Ninja, which is the tool that we used for Walmart.com within Flywheel. So SKU Ninja gave us exposure on how clients want to look at omni-channel, uh, both in-store and online sales performance. And we've applied that methodology to Target.com as well. So we are working on and have already rolled out uh, client-facing dashboards that give our clients visibility on how they are ranking in top search keywords, what their share of voice is, both unweighted and weighted, and then also how their sales are performing across the nation for both in-store and online. So it would be nice and all if we only had five clients that wanted Target because we would just custom build those dashboards. But being flywheel, that's not the case. The good thing, though, is we have an entire team dedicated to connecting the dots of data across multiple retailers. So the next evolution for target data is that we are going to be pulling in our, all of our clients' target data through an API, combining that with their Amazon and Walmart data, and providing dashboards that are omni-retailer. And there is no solution out there today that provides that. One other thing that we that we envisioned as we were trying to see what these dashboards were going to look like from the account manager side is uh, we envisioned that 
you come in, it's a Monday morning, and you go through your Monday morning checklist of what exactly it is on what you need to report out to your client and what you need as an account manager to actually action on that business. So we really used our, our past expertise at from working at Walmart and kind of relied on, okay, when we were there, what are the levers that we were pulling? What are the data points that we were paying attention to? And what directly impacted how we manage that business for the week, for the day, whatever that might be. So all of that influenced the different ways that we are going to be displaying those data points and have kind of fueled that conversation of, this is what we need to be focusing on. This is how we're going to be making a difference in our clients' um, portfolios. And these are the levers that we're going to be able to pull using that data. Say a brand has completely different portfolios across Amazon, Walmart, and Target. When you talk about like Omnivision, how does that kind of work if the catalogs, I don't know why you would make it so complicated for yourself, but like say you only sell like a six pack on Amazon and then maybe it's a 12 pack on Walmart and then maybe it's a single item on Target. Like, are you taking that into account? Yeah, so we can create custom segmentation. And I think what's important is, although the assortments may look different, you also need to ask yourself why the buyer decided to have that assortment in the first place. And so what this can actually do is by applying a custom segmentation, you can put all three of those unique SKUs next to each other, knowing that, say, it's just different case pack sizes, and look at those sales trends. Maybe the six-pack sells more on Walmart.com, and it's actually an omni-channel item that is also sold in Walmart stores, but for some reason, Target decided to go with the one-pack. Have that be a conversation with the Target buyer. Try to understand the justification behind why a one-pack and not a six-pack, especially if you can go to the buyer and say, hey, you could be tripling your sales if you just did the six-pack. You have the higher average unit retail, you have the margin, and if I have the margin, then I'm willing to invest more media in that item. So there's all of these reasons as to why the assortment might be different, but it's not necessarily the right reasons. Yeah, that's a great tie back to our go-to-market strategies in general, right? Like that's, we're using that data to directly uh, inform us on what exactly it is we should be kind of guiding and informing our clients on when they're making those sorts of decisions across retailers. And like Corey said, if they're not having that consistency across the different retailers, providing them additional context and maybe prompting that conversation with their buyers to, to maybe supplement that and move that forward. Those are great answers to a half thought out question. <laughs> it was a great question. The last area to cover is, of course, talking about Target itself and why understanding how Target fits in the competitive landscape of retailers is critical for brands who are looking for opportunities across e-commerce. Additionally, what is that size of the prize on Target and why was it our third full service retailer? I'd say Target is one of the more tech advanced or tech forward retailers out there. When I started poking around the Target data compared to the Walmart data, the Target data was a lot cleaner and it was much more easily accessible. So the fact that Target's tech stack being originally a, a brick and mortar company, I was pretty impressed by. So ease of access was one of the reasons we wanted to tackle Target first. Now, when it comes to omni-channel, this is something that is always top of mind for vendors. And it's something that they're always trying to innovate on, provide unique assortments in the omni-channel environment for both online and in-store. Target, I believe, is one of those innovative companies who are capable of providing a, an omni-channel experience for the customer. 
So order online, pick up in store. That's something that Walmart has done an amazing job with. And I think Target is that next retailer who is executing pretty well on that. So going where the vendors want us to focus, where our clients want us to focus, uh, I think is really important that we continue doing that. And Target really is just the first step of enabling full service beyond Amazon and Walmart. There's going to be more retailers that we expand to. I'm going to go on my soapbox and like I live. I'm pretty sure everyone hears this story, but like I lived in Minneapolis for four years. And so Target was my go-to retailer. And now I don't live anywhere near a Target, so it's not quite as convenient. But like even going back, how old am I, four or five years ago to when I was still in school, like the innovation that they had and just their app worked so well. It just made sense. They like mastered the buy online pickup and they'll throw it in my trunk and like inventory for stores was perfect. Like it Every item you could look for like one grain of pepper and the app would tell you where it is <laughs> in the store. Like, I just, I love Target. Okay, now that I've said that, I just had to get that one out there. Okay, what do you guys see as like the future of Target? Where do you think it's going to go in terms of growth? Is it ever going to make its way up to like the Walmart, Amazon level? Given how Target curates their selection, I don't think it'll get to the size of Amazon and Walmart, but that's okay. As long as the margin is there, Target should be comfortable with where they are. Of course, you don't want to see negative comps like the way they've seen in the recent quarters, but it doesn't mean that Target should be signed off by vendors that they shouldn't invest in Target.com. So I see Target as continuing to be the place to shop for the new dish rack that looks great on your countertop to make sure that the customers always feel like they're getting high quality products. I think that's where Target's going to play a strength in the e-commerce space. Yeah, that's a great point. Target's strength is 100% in its curation. I don't want to say exclusivity because that's that's almost like a, sometimes maybe a negative connotation, but Target does a great job of knowing exactly who their customers are, of picking an assortment that's going to resonate very well with that Target customer, and basically just be able to provide vendors with a space to really hit a Target segment that they might not be able to get at a more broad retailer like Amazon or Walmart. Love it. And I'm going back to the dish rack. Like, you know, Target's going to make a cute plastic dish rack. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good looking plastic <laughs> dish rack for the clowns like me in life who can't keep anything nice. <laughs> but, okay, let's kind of talk about my last little, but also like huge question on this, which is just how does this launch from Flywheel? and you can take this one at a time or only answer one of the ABCs, whatever makes sense. But how does this launch for Flywheel support brands that are not currently selling on Target and or brands only using Flywheel for media on Target currently and or brands looking to exponentially grow on Target? So just a small question with that one. I would say that for those brands who aren't on Target, it's always a great conversation to have on expanding to a new retailer. Like I mentioned before, it's a great way to hit a new customer segment if that's something that you're going after in your brand portfolio. And it never hurts to have more of an audience for your, for your assortment. For clients who are either media only or looking to scale on Target.com, you know, we are first to market as far as offering a, a service for Target.com consulting. And if there is a way to figure something out, if there's a way to get you more categories, share a share of voice, we're going to be the ones who are going to be putting in the time and the uh, the thought into actually helping you do that on Target.com. So 
I would say if you are a brand out there that is interested or have been prioritizing Target as of late, or maybe want to in the future, reach out. And that wraps up this episode covering Target as a whole and our full service capabilities for this retailer. But before we go, we have to go back to Corey and Zach's digital wishlist. Zach, I'm actually going to start with you. That thing that just lives in a virtual cart, or if you're me, many things in many virtual carts that you just won't purchase. And why? I have a great one for this. It's actually a countertop ice maker. And oddly enough, that was one of the categories that I managed while I was working at walmart.com. And I think it is a great item to have, especially if, like me, you're in the greater New York area and you don't have an ice machine in your freezer. I don't like ice trays. I'm not a fan. I break a million of them all the time. And it would be a great addition to my kitchen just to be able to scoop up a little thing of ice and put it into my drink. Haven't gotten it for the last four plus years. Don't know if I'm going to be getting it anytime soon. (laughs) But why not? Why won't you get it? Just one of those things. It perpetually lives in one of my browsers that I closed out a while ago. And then every once in a while, I'll like check in on ice makers in general, just to see like how they're doing. Cause you know, you gotta check on your old categories sometimes. I don't know, I think it might be price point. If I find one on sale, maybe in the near future. All right, Corey, the last time we talked, which is probably over a year ago, you had a like VR headset in your digital wish list. Did you ever purchase it? No, I did not. But actually, I so weirdly enough, one of my brothers gifted it to me for Christmas. So you got it. I got it, but <laughs> it wasn't the one I oh. wanted. But then get this. So I've never really owned a VR headset. I get it. And then I just get motion sick from it. So, no. So my, oh, no. my dreams are shattered. I must live in reality now. <laughs> Corey's not uploading himself to the cloud anytime soon. No. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. So what is actually now on your digital wish list because it has to be something new. Yeah, so because I couldn't live in virtual reality for the rest of my life, I decided I needed to pick up a sport. And to everyone out there, I did sports growing up. I ran track and everything. And so naturally, I uh, wanted to figure out a sport to play with my wife and my brothers. So we picked up tennis this year. So probably what's on my digital wish list is just a nice tennis racket that I'll probably never get because I'll never be amazing at tennis. So I'm just good enough to compete with my brothers and my wife. You don't think that like a nice racket is going to make you significantly better? I've learned my lesson with golf. Yeah. The, the club does not matter. The shoes don't matter. It's oh, but just, they do. Uh, oh, Zach, they do. Corey. Yeah, Zach being a golfer, that's uh, that's something. All right, here's the question. Do I need lessons or do I need better golf clubs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> And now we are at the end of our first episode of our Target Masterclass season of Mastering Retail. Thank you to Corey and Zach of Flywheel's Retail Enablement team for teaching us all about their work and discoveries on Target.com. And be sure to listen to the rest of the episodes in this season with content and the organic search algorithm up next, followed by Media 101 and then Measurement and Modeling, and lastly, Retail and Media Data Points. I've been your host, Emma Irwin, and if managed services on Target.com is of interest to your business, please do reach out and I'd be happy to connect you with the team. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel and Enos Touch. See you next time.